courtyard and the rabbi is introducing all the different groups from all over the world that are there on the Saturday morning. And the last person that's introduced is standing directly across the courtyard from me. And he's a rabbi on sabbatical from Seattle, who just happens to be the rabbi who came to visit Stevie in the hospital while we were in Seattle for his bone marrow transplant. Welcome to Waking Up to Life with Rabbi Josh, a podcast built around conversations with people in our community who have found enlightenment in their lives. While these events may not seem life-changing, our conversations will reveal how the moments have shaped the way my guests see the world. This informal conversation and insights from Jewish tradition may change your life as well. And if not, it's just 18 minutes with me. So l'chaim, to life. Today we welcome Cindy Kandel to the podcast. Cindy has been a member of Temple Israel for many years and has served as a tutor for our bar and bat mitzvah students, a teacher in our school, and personally has become a close personal friend. I feel lucky to know her because of the insights she has shared with me studying Musar and as one of our most important and valued staff members. But today we have an opportunity to learn with Cindy about a moment that really changed her life. So Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. As I said, I've known you for many, many years. And over the years, we have talked about subjects serious and not so serious. But one of the most challenging subjects in your life is, of course, the death of your son, Stevie. Mm -hmm. We've talked about how that moment and the moments leading up to that change the way you think about the world. But there's one particular story that you've shared with me that I'd love for you to offer as we talk together today, the way that a moment in Israel affected your view of the world. Can you share with the listeners here today that story? Of course. We went on the Temple Mission in 1996 with Rabbi Loss and Susan. Um, The first Friday night we were there, we went to the wall. And of course, they had my little stickle of paper to put into the wall. But also while there, I asked, I prayed, whatever terminology you want to use, to get a sense of my son and my parents while in Israel. My mom had died during the previous year. I was still saying Kaddish. So Saturday morning, we went to HUC for services. Our friends met us after services. We could have left, but we opted to go out onto the courtyard. We're standing on the courtyard and the rabbi is introducing all the different groups from all over the world that are there on the Saturday morning. And the last person that's introduced is standing directly across the courtyard from me. And he's a rabbi on sabbatical from Seattle who just happens to be the rabbi who came to visit Stevie in the hospital while we were in Seattle for his bone marrow transplant. And we went to his services. He brought a shofar and blew shofar for Stevie while he he was in the hospital before the high holidays. I hadn't thought about this man in 
10 years. We're talking 11 years after he had died. I couldn't remember his name. And there he is in the holiest city in the world, standing directly across the courtyard from me. I lost my breath. I literally, like everything stopped because all the dots were aligning. And the only connection I had to this man was my son. That was it. So I, I so, want to come back to the way you felt in that moment, but let me ask you a quick question. Was that the first time in your life that you had asked for a sign or, or were you the kind of person who sort of wanted over the years to see something that would allow you to speak again to Stevie? Um, I think when we lose our loved ones, we're I think personally, we're always looking for signs. We're looking for something from them to let us know that either they're with us or they're okay or whatever. Um, but this was more for me, this was more like I had been heard. I had been heard on high, and it was like the next day there he was. I think and that what, was the... No, it's okay. I, I just wonder if there's something to that, that actually asking for it or actually being present in that moment allowed something to speak in the universe that connected those dots you spoke about. I think, um, again, personally, I know I'm always way more open when I'm traveling. For some reason, when I'm traveling, it's like you're open to new experiences, you're open to the environment around you. And I think in order for those kinds of things to happen, we really do need to be present and open. Um, so so it, go back to that moment. You, you mm -hmm. see that rabbi, you have that, what you described as a breathtaking experience. Mm -hmm. What is the next thought that comes to your mind? I, I don't really remember. I mean, I looked at Mark and I said, you know who that is? And Mark is like, who, what? <laughs> and I said, that's the guy who came to see Stevie in, in Seattle. It was like an, there was, there was unbelief within me. Like I couldn't believe it was actually happening. At the same point in time, it was like, I felt like I had experienced a miracle. And yet was I really worthy of a miracle, like, huh, me? So I remember arguing with myself because Mark just said, oh, it was just a coincidence. And arguing with myself about, well, was it really something that was bigger than a coincidence? Ultimately, yeah, absolutely, it's bigger than a coincidence. Um, but I had to get there. So I, I guess, in my mind, it was kind of a back and forth for a while until I finally, like, it all solidified as bigger. And we've talked about this subject before. Uh, I, I don't think anybody ever gets over the loss of a child. But you have, in the time that I've known you, been an inspiration in terms of moving through life after that loss. Can you talk a little bit about how that has transpired? 
Sure. Um, there's so much in life we have no control over. The one thing we do have control over is how we react and respond. So yes, we had a tragedy. We lost a three and a half year old child that was an incredible human being. And then what do we do with that? So if I can use that to help somebody else, if I can use that to lead a Shiva minion or to lead a bereavement support group or to help another friend who has lost a child, then I'm honoring that memory. I'm honoring what his life, his life meant something. And then his loss meant something too. And I wonder if that moment in Israel, real or not real, right, uh, aligned in the stars or not, I wonder if that moment gave you enough strength to get to the next signpost, right? That was just what you needed in that moment to continue living according to that philosophy of life. That moment more solidified faith for me. It more solidified the fact that there is something greater. I've always had a strong faith base, but that just like, that was the nail. That cemented it beyond any doubt for me. That there is something greater in the universe that's, that's out there, that's beyond us, that we don't understand and will never understand, but is there. And as you know, and teach your students all the time, preparing for their bar or bat mitzvah, Shema, that idea of a unified expression of God in Judaism is known as the watchword of our faith. It is the most powerful single verse from the Torah mm -hmm. that aligns Jews around the world. So are you saying that that moment gave you a more firm belief in God? Yes, absolutely. But you didn't talk about it as God, right? You talked about it just a moment ago as a universal force mm -hmm. that you experienced. So tell me mm -hmm. what that means. I'm just making that more palatable for those out there who may not believe in God, right? Because God can be seen as many different things or in many different ways. Um, but I had just been at the wall the night before praying to God. And then the next day, there's a response. So absolutely, it, it solidified my belief in God. But for those who have an issue, possibly with God, there's something out there. We're, we're not here. Yes, we have our own free will and we have the option to do as we choose, but there's something bigger at play that we are unaware of. So I think what you're suggesting is that the, the use of the word universal force is just another descriptor for somebody who might not be comfortable with the language of God or divinity. It's actually exactly. similar to what uh, the, one of my favorite rabbis from Jewish tradition, Bachia Ibn Pakuda, teaches. He suggests that if you had a piece of paper that uh, was typed and printed and ink was on it, uh, you wouldn't suggest, you'd think that I was crazy if I said that that was just a random occurrence. 
So how can you look at the universe around you in those moments like what you described and say that there isn't something bigger than us making those things happen? In other words, part of what you're saying is there just isn't coincidence that you prayed the night before and had some momentary spiritual sign, even if that's just inside your own brain, that's still a universal force at work. Mm -hmm. Right. So what's the lesson as you look back on that moment and that fulfillment of the prayer, what's Mm -hmm. the lesson that you learned? What was the enlightenment of that day? We're heard. We can be heard. We aren't always answered the way I was answered, for sure. Sometimes we don't like the answers at all, but we're heard. We do not pray. We do not ask in vain. I like what you said. We're not always necessarily answered, right? The, the child who prays for a new bicycle at Hanukkah may or may not be answered by the parents right. who didn't hear, but the universe hears. And that's actually a beautiful expression of what Shema teaches, this idea that God, hear, O Israel, right? There is a process of listening between humanity and God. But I have to ask, has that experience of losing a brother affected your two daughters and your husband losing a son in the same ways that it's affected you? Hmm. Um, my one daughter that was alive when he was alive, it affected her in the sense that when her younger sister was born, she modeled pretty much the way he had treated her to her younger sister. Um, she's very sensitive to loss around her. Um, and she's incredibly empathetic. I'm not sure if that was a result of Stevie's loss or, or maybe not. a result of the way you parented her after Stevie's loss. Possibly. Um, the daughter that was born after he had died, very complicated. I don't know exactly what the impact is or was on her. Um, and Mark, of course, you know, he lost his son. I mean, we, we struggled together. Um, you, can't, you can't have something like that happen and not be impacted. So, I think that's so important to say explicitly for all of your family members. It's easy to just say, move on, go forward, live the rest of your life with the philosophy that you've shared. But it is hard work that affects everyone and demands a constant attitude of alignment. And it's not always perfect, right? It doesn't always, right. doesn't always look and feel good beyond the initial death, right? The, the right. subsequent years don't always go in a straight line towards healing. Right, it's true. So, so as a parent who has come through that moment of loss and to a sense of purpose in the world, Is there today something that you know in the world, beyond what you said about being hurt, is there something that you know that could just 
help somebody else in a similar situation? Um, you just have to take one day at a time. You have to take one moment at a time. Sometimes you don't know if your next breath is going to come because it's so hard to breathe. Um, and there is ultimately a light at the end of the tunnel. The, the pain is always going to be there. It morphs, it changes. And also something that we saw a lot when we were facilitating bereavement support group, the focus, if you have other living children when you lose a child, you still have other living children and they have to be they have to be acknowledged and cared for as well. I love that you said that. And I, I don't know if you did it intentionally, but you spoke when you were sharing the story about Stevie and the memory in Israel, you used the word, you were breathless when you saw that rabbi. And then again, just now, you talked mm. about moments in life where the breath is taken away from you. Uh, I, I, I really like that imagery for me that there are moments in life that are breathless and it's how we react to that breathlessness that defines the next short period in front of us and and i will say publicly here that uh, you have inspired me as i watch you fight through those moments of being without breath uh, in many ways, we know that the word breath and nefesh or ruach, the spirit of God, is uh, one and the same. And you've helped me even again today to understand that connection between that breathlessness and the divine spirit that you called God, but that others may just call the uh, energy in the universe. So thank you for your story. Thank you for continuing to teach and to inspire all of us over these years. So we're coming to the very end of our podcast. And I have just one last question that I've been asking every guest as we share this time together. Can you tell us what you are currently reading or watching that is making a difference in your life? Hmm. I just finished a book called The Grace Year. It was kind of a combination of, um, oh, come on. A combination of Hunger Games and uh, with some mysticism in it. And I don't know if it's making a difference in my life. It was just a great read. That's good enough. That makes a difference. It keeps you uh, out of thinking about yeah. what else is going on in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, I'm so thankful that you have been with us today. I appreciate your time, your energy, and your story. Thank you. So thank you to everyone for watching this episode of Waking Up to Life, a podcast that is 18 minutes with me, Rabbi Josh. In upcoming episodes, we'll be sharing stories that have changed others' lives so that they can change ours. And now, in the meantime, just take a moment to breathe, to celebrate life, and to say, L'chaim, to life.